The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! Everybody, mind just a little is driving me out of my mind. Spare me the riddle and hand me a bottle or something that's hollow. I can climb inside. It's a lifetime moving of the week, starring you and I. Ba 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 that was good. Oh, I could hear you on that quite one. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Got a big show today. I know. I actually planned out today's show. I know. I'm so proud of you. Sucks. <laughs> you got a gold star. Ooh, la, la, la. Alrighty. We're going to get him, right, on the show? We are. Yeah. We'll get him. Uh, you can pull that down. Hey, right. hey, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan. Here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hiya, top two guys. Smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We want to thank the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe and also the United Podcast Network. We've done a couple of shows where I was really convinced we were going to get canceled. Controversy. I really, I really thought that that Facebook show we did. I'm like, there's just no way we stay on the air after yeah. that. And and we're still here, so it's a testament to the uh, to the fact that the United Podcast Network, at least for now, still cares about uh, free speech. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of things to get to today. We're gonna have Matt McLennan's going to be zooming in toward the end of the show from McLennan and Company Century 21 Real Estate to talk about real estate properties uh, in the Merrimack Valley. Um, and I've got a bunch of topics that I want to get to. I want to thank our sponsors, if I can actually find them here on my sheet, because I don't want to forget anybody. It's really awful when I do my, my list of sponsors and I forget somebody, because people pay such great money to, to it's, it's such huge money to sponsor the show. Yeah. Uh, it's only $50 a week, by the way. If anybody wants to sponsor the show, we'd, be ha- we'd love to have you. And it's really weird. Like We were struggling for so long to get sponsors, and I'm not saying one has anything to do with the other, but 
somehow, it was almost like the week after Neil Perry left, we got flooded with advertising. And I don't know if it was just that maybe they were sick of it doing politics, or maybe it was just coincidence, but it, it is bizarre. Hello? It is bizarre um, how, how that just kind of happened that way. We want to thank uh, Matt McLennan at Century 21. Like I said, he's going to be zooming in later on. Uh, AFC Urgent Care. Um, you, you don't, don't ever go to Holy Family. Uh, wait in the waiting room for an hour and a half. Um, not for anything. There's a reason why they call it Holy Fatal. They're, I mean, they're, oh my God. They're, they're, they're called, that's what people call I've it. I've not heard that. And, okay. and we've actually written a number of stories of people. One lady went in, a four, I don't want to get into the Holy Family thing. Yes. Um, we will do a show on that at some point, but there are a lot of great people who work there, so it's nothing, it's nothing against some of the nurses or some of the people that work there. Um, but if, if, you're, if you're not feeling well, don't go to the hospital and wait four hours in a waiting room. Go to AFC, and within 15 minutes, they'll see you. Oh, wow. And you'll be walking out with a prescription if that's what you need. Um, or you'll have some kind of antibiotic or treatment or whatever it is. I've never waited more than 10 or 15 minutes ever at AFC, and I've been there a number of times. That's fantastic. Uh, Marsan and Sun Construction, we're waiting to hear from Ronnie Marsan to see if he's going to run for city council. There's also rumors he might be running for mayor, and that would be really oh, interesting. Okay. I, don't, I don't see him running against Neil Perry, but boy, would that be fun. Yeah. Boy, would that be fun. <laughs> And I think I could probably help out a little bit on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think somebody jumped off the Valley Pedro bandwagon a little too soon, but that's a, sh- that's a topic for another show. And we probably will do that at some point. Um, I'm just kind of trying to give it some time to see if maybe things smooth out first. Um, I try not to burn bridges even when, when other people do. I try to kind of let things play out a little bit, see if maybe people have a change of heart later on. also want to thank EIS Investigations. Um, if you need gun training, if your wife's cheating on you, if you think somebody at work is stealing from your company, call EIS Private Investigation Services. And if you need gun training, if you need to get your certificates, go get your gun permit. Um, e- you go to EIS, they give you the class, they give you the certification, and you can go to your local police department um, and apply for your gun permit. And you should be all set as long as your background checks out. Uh, Borelli's Deli, and I can't wait for I, I haven't had any deli meets now in the last three or four days. <sighs> And because I know Thursdays is when I go to Borelli's, so I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get through the week without it. Uh, so I'm going to have to stock up when I get to Borelli's <laughs> later on. And we did try the, um, the spicy sausage. Wasn't quite as spicy as, as I thought it was going to be, but it was still really good. It was, it was spicy, but it wasn't like the hot, like burn your mouth kind of I was going to say, you're like a spicy aficionado, though, aren't you? you right. Like well, I'm a smoker, spicy. so I've lost a lot of my taste. taste. Right. And so a lot of that's why I eat a taco ball three days a week because it's it's spicy so I can taste it which is <laughs> always good I like tasting my food and then we got A and M Auto Body if you've got somebody hit your car you get a ding somebody opened a, opened their car door and they dented the side of your car bring it to Angelo and I've brought my car I got hit I got side sideswiped one day I got T boned they spun me around I thought I was going to flip over they took out both my front door and my back door. And I just bought the car. It was brand new, maybe six months old. And I brought it to Angel and said, there's no way you're going to get this to look like it, it did when I bought it. And I got it 10 days later. And it looked just, you, you look at my car and you cannot tell. Like, it's that good. Wow. So if you need auto body done, you go to uh, uh, A&M Auto Body at, uh, you go see Angelo. And you make, make sure you tell him that you heard him uh, on the show, that you heard us talk about him on the show because he loves that. Uh, also, um, who else? An HS Investigations, uh, who has come on board. We appreciate them. And who else? And I didn't have it written down, but we're going to, uh, we have um, attorney Ted Fairburn. Just put him on my list here because I always forget. 
who was also sponsoring the show, and he specializes in workers' compensation. So if you, if you work for the city of Methuen or you work for the city of Lawrence or you work for a construction company, you got hurt, and you think that you need compensation, you go see Teddy Fairburn. He'll get you what you need. He's been doing this for like 35 years. He's a pretty good guy. And a free shout-out, too, at Don's Sign Tech and the North End of a Car Wash, who I hope is coming back because it's getting nicer. We're going to be doing our car wash caravan. So once it starts getting a little nicer, maybe we'll start next week, we get a bunch of people from the Valley Patriot, some of our readers, some of our advertisers, some of our delivery drivers. We all do a caravan to North End of a Car Wash. And we all get our car washed, and then we'll go to a pl- another place that's advertising in the Valley Patriot. So I think next week we're going to do the, the North End of a car wash, and then we're going to go up to Salem, New Hampshire to Happy Crab. So we want to thank Happy Crab Happy for Crab. Happy Crab and Tomo for also being a, uh, a sponsor of the show. You would think I would have all of those written down, but I really don't. So we got a bunch of things to talk to today. The Valley Patriot is out on the street. It's being delivered as we speak. I want to thank our drivers who... Um, they, they, I don't really pay these people enough. I don't pay my drivers enough. I can't afford to pay my drivers what they're really worth. Um, and so I'm very happy to have the drivers that I have. And they do an excellent job, and they'll be out today, tomorrow, finishing delivering the Valley Patriot. Um, I wrote this as a notebook item, but I decided after the paper came out that it really should have been its own standalone column. We had a situation in Lawrence last week where the Massachusetts State Board of Education was cons- was asked to consider, from my understanding, lowering the standards for the Lawrence Public Schools because they can't meet the standards that they have. The Lawrence Schools have been an abysmal failure since I sat on the school committee, and that was back in 1996. I know when they invented fire. I get it. I'm old. I sat on the. I got elected in '95. I took office in '96. I stayed till about '99, and the Lawrence Schools were an abysmal failure back then although not quite as bad as they are now, they have consistently gotten worse. So bad that at one point the state came in and had to take over. The state is still in partial receivership. And you would think, now I know nobody wants to think about this, nobody wants to talk about it, and I'm going to do it because nobody else wants to. Lawrence's school budget is somewhere in the neighborhood of 110 or $120 million a year. That means if you go back to when I was on the school board in 1996, I don't even know how many years that is. Have to, I went to Lawrence High, I'd have to count on my fingers. But that's a lot of years, 96, 2006, 2016. It's like, it's like 24, 25 years, right? Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. So in the last 25 years, the state and federal government has pumped literally over a billion dollars into the Lawrence public schools. And what do they have to show for it? Zero. They've got zero to show for it. 25 years after pumping $100 million a year into the Lawrence schools, pretending that we're doing this for the children, we're doing this because we care about the poor and the downtrodden children, the Latino children of Lawrence. We just have to, if only they had the resources, the problem is just that they don't have enough money. And so the state and the federal government give 150% of the Lawrence public schools spending budget. Now, how is that possible? How do you give somebody 150% of their budget? Mm. Well, let's say the Lawrence, I don't have the exact number, but it's about $120 million for the Lawrence public school budget. They also get millions and millions of dollars above and beyond that in state and federal grants that don't count as the regular budget. So you're looking at 20 to $50 million that they're getting in extra grants from the state and federal government for all kinds of stupid shit that doesn't do anything to help educate the kids of Lawrence. 
So the State Board of Education has put the schools into receivership. And of course, when they did, what did Lawrence cry? Racism. They're picking on us because we have brown skin. They're picking on us because we're Latino. They're picking on us because we're a poor community. No, they're picking on you because your schools suck. That's why they're picking on you. They're picking on you because the low expectation of failure among the teachers, the administrators, the elected officials, and the leaders, so-called leaders of Lawrence. They're the ones that truly believe that Latino kids are stupid. They're the ones that really believe that they're not as smart as the white kids from Andover. And they do so under the guise that, well, you know, they come from a poor community. You know what? A lot of poor communities out there that don't do as bad as Lawrence. There's a lot of brown-skinned communities out there that don't do as bad as Lawrence. So the State Board of Education member, his name is Michael Moriarty, made a statement. I'm going to see if I can give you the exact statement. It sounds kind of convoluted because you've got to realize that these people in academia, these people in, um, these people in the education field, they all talk in like doublespeak. They all talk in this pretty language of politics that they do. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Acting Mayor, Kendrys Vasquez, which is weird that nobody calls him acting and even the Eagle Tribune doesn't call him acting, but he's the acting mayor. He was not elected. Um, he was appointed by the city council when Dan Rivera left. Was uh, apparently at this meeting when uh, Michael Moriarty, the board member, correctly pointed out, and here's what he said basically, quote, for a period of time now that we, the board of education, have been unable to take any kind of action against Lawrence that's necessary because of the deep inequities that exist from one school district to another, we know they can't change themselves because they never do. In other words, you guys have had 25 years to get your act together. We've lowered the standards. You couldn't meet those. We've given you more money. You couldn't meet the standards. We put you in receivership. You can't meet the standards. We're not lowering our standards for you anymore. We're not going to rely on the people of Lawrence to run their school system because they've shown that they're incompetent to do so. Now, those aren't his words. Those are my words. But I'm encapsulating basically what he was saying. What was Acting Mayor Kendrys Vasquez's response? His, His response was not. I'll tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, you know what? I recognize that Lawrence's schools are failing our children, and I think it's disgusting that our kids aren't getting the same kind of education as kids in other communities. We need to devise a plan to make the schools better. He didn't say that. That's what a leader would have said. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm only acting mayor. I'm not going to be here for, uh, for very long, but I'm going to assemble a team of people that will be here long after me to turn this school system around. And I'm not going to appoint politicians. I'm going to appoint educators. I'm going to appoint people that are outside the political process that are just going to look at what is failing in Lawrence and see if they can't get the next mayor, whoever comes in, to, to help him you know, hit the ground running when he gets here. He didn't say any of that. That's what a real leader would have said. No, here's what he said. Michael Moriarty's words have acted as a dog whistle. And what you are really trying to say is, quote, immigrants are lazy people who do not care about education. To insinuate that Lawrence Public Schools cannot change because of our past and present is racist and offensive. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, I like Kendrys Vasquez. He's a nice kid. I've always liked him. I think I supported him the first time he ran. But Kendrys Vasquez is a committed defender of the status quo. Kendrys Vasquez's job is to defend the people on the inside that are incompetent and that are doing nothing. But by the way, make lots of campaign donations to lots of people in Lawrence. 
The Lawrence Public Schools failing because of that. That's the reason the Lawrence Public Schools are failing, because your leaders, when faced with failure, refuse to accept that failure, refuse to recognize that failure, and then put a plan together to stop the failing. What they do instead is they cry racism. And the real racism here is Kendra's Vasquez and the Lawrence School Committee and the teachers' union in Lawrence and the administrators in Lawrence who think Latino kids are just too stupid to get ahead. The Latino kids aren't as smart. And we talked about this last week, right? If you don't believe me, just ask yourself this. Just do some basic research. Jump on Google, do some basic research. The kids in North Andover get a far better education than the kids in Lawrence, and they're majority white. It's not because white kids are smarter than Latinos. That's what Kendris Vasquez thinks. That's what the Lawrence School Committee and the Lawrence Teachers Unions think. And that's what the school administrators think. But it's not the case. It's not that white kids are smarter. It's not that Latino kids aren't smart enough. And it's certainly not money because they've gotten more money than Andover and North Andover combined in the last 20 years. And both of those school systems do far better. So if it's not race... If it's not that Latinos are stupid or white people are smarter, if it's not the money, then what is it? It's a culture of failure in the Lawrence public schools where they care more about teaching that Donald Trump is a fascist, where they care more about talking about global warming and transgender bathrooms, where they care more about virtue signaling and teaching kids how to be liberal politicians and activists when they grow up than teaching them how to fucking read. I mean, that's the bottom line. Full stop, period. That's it. That's the answer. The answer is we have a school system which the culture of which cares more about politics and race than they do about teaching kids how to get a job, how to get into college, how to read, and how to do math. And I know because I've walked the halls of the Lawrence schools even recently. And I can tell you, I was walking by, I told the story a few times, I'm going to tell it again. I was walking by a class, I get asked to speak at a class. Um, about, um, about journalism and stuff like that. So I, I went, and on my way to the classroom I was supposed to speak at, the security guard is, 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 uh, is um, escorting me through the building. We walked by a class, and I heard the phrase, Donald Trump is a fascist. So I stopped and said, can I just listen for a few minutes? And I listened to this teacher go on and on about how Donald Trump wants to exterminate Jews, and he hates black people, and on and on and on. And I said to the guy, is that a history class? And the security guard said, no, it's a physics class, okay? You want to know why the kids in Lawrence can't read? You want, to know, you want to know why the majority of kids in Lawrence can't get into college, can't get a job, can't speak English properly, say things like, I'm a gunna, and axed? You want to know why? Because it's not because their parents aren't educated and don't speak English. That's, not, that's the excuse that the Lawrence schools use. Yeah, but they come from homes where they barely speak English and they're so poor. No, it's because you do a shitty job. It's because you go into school every day with the idea of not teaching kids how to succeed in life, that there's a right answer to a math question and a wrong answer to a math question. You go in there teaching them how to be political activists and talk about global fucking warming every time May Day comes around. And you'll have to excuse my French, but this is something that frustrates me because I sat on the school board in Lawrence for three years and beat my head against the wall trying to change things in the Lawrence schools. And every time I did, they cried racism. So why is it that Kendra Vasquez and all the other people in the Lawrence public schools cry racism whenever somebody actually points out what the actual problem is, which is the fact that they're failing and that they're not doing their job? Why do they cry racism? Why is that their go-to? Why did Kendrys Vasquez take a very benign statement 
that had nothing to do with race, that had nothing to do with the children of Lawrence who are Latino, but had more to do with the fact that the administrators and the teachers, who, by the way, are not mostly Latino, are failing our kids. Here's why. Because if Kendris Vasquez hadn't accused him of racism, the headline would have been, Lawrence, fails, Lawrence schools fail their children. That would have been the headline. Lawrence public schools fail their, fail their children. But that wasn't the headline. Because Kendrys Vasquez knew exactly what he was doing. Now the headline, because he accused this board member of racism, because he's white, which, by the way, I think is actually racist. Instead, the headline was, Lawrence Mayer accuses board member of racism. Well, which one of those two things do you think sells more newspapers? Lawrence, Lawrence fails their children? Or Lawrence Mayer accuses board member of racism? Well, we all know which one sells more papers. It's the racism headline. And that's why he did it, to distract from the failures of the Lawrence school system. And by the way, as nice of a guy as Kendris Vasquez is, and I think he is, he's part of the failure. He sat on the Lawrence City Council for at least the last eight to ten years and never once asked a question about the Lawrence school budget, never once voted for a reduction in the Lawrence school budget, never once said, hey, wait a minute, why are you spending all this money on certain things but not other things? The, the, the city council is in Methuen, in Lawrence, in Haverhill. City council still has, to, has, still has to vote to approve their school budgets. The school committee puts the budget together and votes for it. But before the mayor can sign it, the city council has to vote on it. Where was Kendry's Vasquez for the last eight to ten years asking questions about the Lawrence school budget? Here's the home run he could have had. He could have come out and he could have said, you know what, Mr. Moriarty is 100% right. Most of our kids in Lawrence are Latino, and they're not getting the same education as the white kids in Andover. And it's not because of funding, and it's not because of racism. It's because the people who are running the Lawrence schools aren't doing a good enough job. They don't have their focus on education. They have their focus on politics. And I, as mayor, am going to do something about it, at least for the short time that I'm here. He's only going to be here for like six months. That would have been a home run for him. Because you add the racism element into what you're saying because it's true, it's true that the reason these kids aren't getting good education is because of racism. But it's not because some guy on a board made a racist comment. It's because the people running the schools have such a low expectation for these kids. That's the real reason. I've seen it from the inside. I've seen it from the outside. I've taught in the Lawrence schools. I've lectured in the Lawrence schools. I've sat on the Lawrence school board. And I'm a product of the Lawrence schools. So if anybody knows it's me, I mean, this is, this story is, the minute I saw this, I said, oh my God, this is in my wheelhouse. Like th this, this story is tailor-made for me. I only hope that when Kendris Vasquez is gone, and I, and I feel bad doing this because I really do like the kid, but when, I hope when Kendris Vasquez is gone, whoever Lawrence voters decide to replace him in the fall is going to be somebody who gets it. I want someone who's going to get elected as Lawrence mayor because you're going to sit, whoever's the next Lawrence mayor is going to be is going to sit as chairman of the school committee. I hope whoever that is, whether it's Vilma Laura, whether it's uh, my good friend uh, Brian DePina, who I'm leaning very closely towards supporting, by the way. I haven't decided yet, but I'm leaning very closely. Um, whoever, that, whoever that person is that's coming in, what I want to hear from them and hopefully what the people of Lawrence want to hear and certainly the people who don't live in Lawrence who are paying the bill want to hear, <clears throat> is someone come in and say, 
you know what? No more excuses. No more excuses. We're going to devise a curriculum for the Lawrence schools that it doesn't have anything to do with politics. We're going to stop teaching transgender bathrooms, gay marriage, and global warming, and we're going to start teaching that there's a right and a wrong answer to math questions. We're going to start teaching kids whose first language is not English how to speak, read, and write English adequately enough to get a job and keep a job or get into college and stay in college. So I don't have the exact numbers, but so few kids graduating from Lawrence High go to a four-year college. It's a very small number. I'm not going to even throw out a guess because I'll get 15 emails telling me that I got the number wrong because people are number Nazis, as if it matters, right? Let's just say very small percentage of the kids who graduate Lawrence High get to go, in, get to, go to a four-year college. But here's a number that's true. And this is an actual number that's true. 80 to 90% of the kids who graduate from Lawrence High School who get into a four-year college fail in their first year to year and a half. Now think about that. These kids, whether they were born in this country or they came to this country, spent the majority of their years in the Lawrence Public Schools hoping to be educated. Their parents are hoping they're going to be educated to have a better life than they had when they came here. And they go through the Lawrence Public Schools and most of them can't get into college at least not a four-year college. And if they get into college, if they're smart enough to get into college, if they really buckle down, if they go out and try to educate themselves despite the lack of education they're getting at Lawrence High, and they get into a four-year college, 80 to 90% of those kids don't make it. That means you're really talking about maybe 1% to 5%, maybe, of the kids that graduate from Lawrence High School have a shot. And that's not because of the color of their skin. And it's not because evil white men are keeping them down. And it's not because they don't have enough funding for their schools. And it's not because that they're poor and they come from poor neighborhoods. And it's not because of the violence in their neighborhoods. And it's not because some of these kids have no food at home. Those are the excuses that the Lawrence administrators and the elected officials use when they fail our kids. The real reason is they're not being taught. And if you took a kid out of Lawrence High School and you put him into North Andover High School, I guarantee you his chances of getting to college triple and quadruple overnight because we've seen it happen. We've seen kids move out of Lawrence because I know because my kids went to the North Andover schools. Uh, We've seen kids transfer out of Lawrence, move to Woodridge in North Andover, go to the Thompson School for their fifth grade, then go to the middle school, then go to to North Andover High School and end up getting into a four-year college and graduating with a decent degree. It's not the color of their skin, folks. Don't be fooled. And you know, the Latinos in Lawrence who don't pay attention to a lot of this stuff, you you need to stop being fooled too because you're being played. If you're a Dominican family, if you're a Dominican mother in Lawrence who's got two or three kids in the Lawrence schools, you should be outraged by what Kendrys Vasquez just did because what he did was he swept the failure of the people who are supposed to be educating your kids under the rug by saying, look at the shiny object, racism, racism, it's over here. It's what this board member said that's keeping us down. No, it's not, Kendris. It's you. I'm sorry. I like you. You're a good guy. But it's you. And it's the Lawrence School Committee. And it's the teachers, unions specifically. And it's the administrators. And until the people of Lawrence rise up and start demanding accountability, 
I don't want to hear about statistics. I don't want to hear about poverty. I don't want to hear about the root causes of poverty and failure. Whenever politicians start talking about root causes, what they want to do is they, make, they want to make the conversation abstract. Once you start talking about root causes, it could be anything, right? And then they're going to have meetings about meetings. And they're going to have meetings about, about other meetings and subcommittee meetings about other meetings and nothing ever gets done. So if you want to know why there's so much violence in Lawrence, you want to know why so many people in Lawrence are uneducated and ignorant, it's not their fault. I don't blame the people of Lawrence at all. I blame their school system. There are kids who graduated Lawrence High School or who are seniors at Lawrence High School who come on my page on a regular basis and cry racism over things that have nothing to do with race. I had one kid from Lawrence High School come on my page one day asking me, I I had posted a... um, how much time we got? I had posted a uh, uh, a photo of a kid on Pelham Street in Methuen that was in a really bad accident who died. He wasn't dead in the photo. They were doing CPR on him. He was still alive. So we took the picture and we posted it. I had a bunch of kids from Lawrence High School come on my page who knew the kid and were eviscerating me because I didn't get the family's permission. You didn't get the family's permission to post that. I know the family and they didn't let. They didn't give you permission. Now, if you're a kid at Lawrence High School and you're a senior and you don't know enough about the Constitution to know that a reporter doesn't need anybody's permission to take a picture in public and post it online or put it in a newspaper, you're ignorant, but your school system is to blame for not teaching you the Constitution. There are kids that believe that hate crime, there are kids at Lawrence High School that come on my, on my page and think that hate crime is an exception to the First Amendment that we should be censoring things that people say that might be hateful. That it's an exemption to the First Amendment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine an American of any stripe thinking that you saying something hateful is exempt from the free speech clause of the First Amendment? And again, it's not their fault. It's the school system's fault. And until we start naming names, and until we start putting it on the teachers and the teachers' union, it's never going to change. And I've had educators from other communities come, come, come to me when I've given this lecture at other, in other spots who have come to me and said, but Tom, how can you blame the teachers' union for the curriculum? Absolutely you blame the teachers' union for the curriculum because the dirty little secret in, Paul, in, in education, at least in Massachusetts, is that the teachers' union draft up the curriculum and they force it down the throats of the administrators at budget time and at contract negotiation time. And it's the teachers' unions that are driving the curriculum. They don't want people to know that they're driving the curriculum, so it gets put forward by other people. But I can tell you as someone who sat on a school committee, who has sat in executive sessions, who has sat in on secret legal negotiations, that's exactly what happens. So don't give me this that it's not the teachers. Don't give me that it's not the teachers' unions. It is. And I'm going to say something else about teachers because I get a lot of crap for it, so I'm just going to, I'm going to head it off at the pass. I have no respect for public school teachers anymore. Don't give me this shit that it's a hard job. You know what's a hard job? Being a firefighter running into a burning building. That's a hard job. Don't tell me teaching kids is a hard job. It's not a hard job. You people get vacations. You get weekends off. You get summer vacations. You get every school vacation off. And you get paid year-round to do it. And you only work six hours a day. And on top of that, the six hours you work, and you're not teaching the kids the Constitution. These kids can't... These kids, can't fill out a, uh, uh, these kids can't fill out a job application, they can't balance a checkbook, and they don't know the first damn thing about their constitutional rights. And that's on you guys. 
That's on you teachers. I'm sorry, but it is. And you can run around and pretend the teachers are all heroes. The one good thing that came out of COVID is that I think it started to wake people up to the fact that these teachers aren't really the heroes that they've been made out to be. Because the reason some kids still aren't sitting in schools right now is because of their teachers' unions. Some schools are back. A lot of schools aren't. Some schools are partially back. And the kids that are back, they're making them wear masks, even though the science says that they don't need to wear masks. They're making them social distance. And they're making kids sit in these, in these, these um, plexiglass cubby holes. Individual, the, the kids need socialization. They need to touch each other and hug each other and play tag and play relievio in the schoolyard. We are torturing our children. And these teachers and administrators are torturing and have been torturing our children on top of the fact that they're not educating them. So I'm really worked up about this topic because I see what's going on and I see that there are, there are entire swaths of populations in our state and in our community who are failing and through no fault of their own. I don't blame the kid that graduates from Lawrence High and doesn't know what the Constitution is and comes on my page and talks about hate speech being uh, an exemption to the First Amendment. I don't blame them at all. I don't blame them for thinking that, you know, we should have, we should have, um, uh, we should have uh, 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 gun confiscations because the Second Amendment doesn't really mean what it says. I blame their teachers. All right, so that's all I have to say about that. I know I had like 20 other things, but did I just blow through the whole show on that one topic? A decent amount of it. Did I? Is it two four? Is it what time is it? What time do we have? All right, so we got two minutes before we're gonna we're gonna. Is Matt zoomed in yet? Not yet. All right, I'm waiting for it. All right, so I will. Uh, we'll, we'll bounce over to something else real quick, and if he zooms in, we'll take it. Yeah. In the city of Methuen, very interesting. I'm gonna pull the clips in next week. During the last election of all the Methuen city councilors and mayor, we had every single candidate here, all of them. And when the issue of making marijuana legal in Methuen came up, some candidates said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Some candidates said, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Some candidates said, well, you know, if they wanted to have like a growing facility in Methuen to grow marijuana, I'd be okay with it, but I don't want any stores where people can buy it. Others said, yeah, you know what? I think they should be able to buy it in Methuen. And at every single debate, and we will pull in the clips because I don't get to take credit for much in Methuen anymore, but I'm going to take credit for this. At every single debate, I turned to all of them and said, how come not one of you have brought up the fact that we should just put it on the ballot and let the people decide? In the last state election, Methuen voted against making marijuana legal statewide. So if the, if the elected leaders of Methuen now think that allowing a growing facility, a manufacturing facility, a packaging facility, a transportation facility, or even letting them sell to the public in retail... If the leaders want to do that, what they need to do is put it on the ballot and let the public decide. Now, they've kind of already decided on the statewide ballot, but this is a little different. So I said, put it on the next ballot. And all of them said, with maybe one or two exceptions, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Maybe we should let them do that. I think even DJ Beauregard said, you know what? You've changed my mind. I was totally 100% against it. Now, I think, I think you're right. I think we should put it on the ballot. So this week, it was very interesting to watch the Methuen City Council take a vote, I believe it was eight to one, to put marijuana facilities and retail on the ballot in Methuen. Now, there are a number of people in Methuen who are very upset about this. He's here? He's here. All right. There are a number of people in Methuen very upset about this, including especially Linda Susie, whom I love to death. 
And her position is, it came before you and it, and it lost. It came before you again and it lost. It came before you again and it lost. It went on a state ballot and it lost. How many times do the people of Methuen need to tell you guys no? She doesn't want it on the ballot because if it goes on the ballot, that's one more chance that maybe marijuana might come, come to Methuen. And she doesn't want that. It's going to be interesting to see who lobbies for this and how much money they spend and who lobbies against this and how much money they spend. So I will leave you with that because we have on the line one of my friends. Uh, I don't know. Can I, can I call him my friend? Matt, can I call you friend? Is that okay? Am I live? Am I on? You're yeah. live. Can, can I call you friend? Is that okay? You know, even coming fresh on the heels of your rant against teachers, yes. <laughs> yes, you can call me friend. I'm sorry. I forgot. I, I happen I, to I, be married to a Methuen teacher, I the know. finest teacher I've ever met. Well, I happen to be the son of Janet McLennan, a Methuen teacher, an amazing teacher. My mother-in-law is a teacher. My father-in-law is a teacher. But, uh, uh, hey, I, we, we, we can be friends, and we can agree on many points. I, I don't I think... I always agree with you, but it is okay. All right. We can be friends and not always agree. Well, listen, and I appreciate that. That, that actually, yeah. that's, a, that's a testament to you because a lot of people yeah. in this business, they can't disagree with you. I had a guy that used to come on once a month, and the minute we disagreed on one thing, he was gone. So... Um, so it's nice that there are people out there that can agree to disagree and still be pals. Uh, although I, I, I will say that to Matt, there are exceptions to every rule. I wasn't casting a pall on every teacher. But <laughs> exactly. certainly exactly. certainly in the Lawrence Public Schools, it's much more prevalent than everywhere else. I think that's where I was going. So sure. McLennan, Century 21, you were on the show about two months ago. We talked about the property values in Methuen, North Andover, Lawrence area. Has it changed? Has, has anything, has you seen a shift? I think the last time you were here, you said it was a seller's market. Is it still a seller's market? Uh, it is a tremendous seller's market still. So now, now we're really in the thick of the spring market. So what happens in the spring is you always get more inventory. You get home sellers that are going to say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the winter. I don't want to deal with the holidays. Uh, people just think in their head, you know, it's a spring market. What happens is there's always more inventory. So uh, there's more opportunities. Um, but with that, you know, supply and demand, there's still just a huge demand uh, and a huge supply of buyers. So creating a huge demand. Uh, so, but right now, uh, you know, there's, there's new homes coming on in every market every week. They look beautiful. You know, the, the photography you can do and the landscaping and everything is, is just awesome. But we still have incredibly low interest rates. And so for the most part, you are still seeing homes come on the market. And within three or four days, they are fielding 10, 20, 30 offers, wow. if not more. Um, so you, we've, you, we had a jump in pricing from 2019 to 2020. Now we're seeing that continued jump. So, you know, in our towns that we cover, the numbers did jump 13, 14, 15, 16%. Wow. You're still seeing homes come on the market at that new price. And things are now still selling 30, 40, $50,000 over asking, maybe 10%, 15% uh, over that ask. So um, it's, it's amazing. So you're talking first time home buyer stuff. You're talking anything that's that mainstream kind of colonial family uh, driven housing. Um, 
in investment properties too. I, I, I don't know if you saw, I posted on Facebook coming soon, a pretty cool two family plus two storefronts, right? Methuen at five corners, right? Meth- kind of near Methuen Square near the fire station. Yep. My phone is blowing up on that. Now you think a two family plus two storefronts isn't necessarily for everyone, but there's a lot of people with buying power right now. Wow. The interest rates are so low. There's programs still tied to the SBA and um, all that PPP programs. Um, there's ability for people to invest in commercial property right now. That's better, uh, better financing packages than ever before. So I floated that out there. Uh, you know, it's not cheap. It's 800,000 bucks. It's not even on the market yet. Just the concept of coming soon. I, I've got 10 people that are saying I'm interested in something like that. So, um, you know, so anything that's that regular, you know, ranch, Cape colonial starter home, those things are going to fly off the shelves. Um, so it's, you know, it's a very interesting time to understand the market, the market, understand the pricing. If you're a seller, where is that sweet spot of that asking price? And now is a time that it does, it does make sense to invest in those little tweaks to really make the home, um, you know, really stand out. You're going to make that money back. Gosh, tenfold. If you make some repairs, do some paint, things like that, you're going to make that money back. So they should, call, they should call Marcian and Sun Construction and have them come and fix up whatever they need in their house to make their house more sellable, is I think what you're saying. Fix the broken yeah. things, put right. a fresh coat of paint on anything that looks tired. Um, you know, anything that leaks, fix that stuff. But beyond that, I mean, we're not talking full kitchen and bath renovations. Right. This is a market that if you actually have the funds – to do a kitchen renovation, you're not going to lose money on that. Right. You, you know, the, the homes that have pristine kitchens and baths, I mean, you, you go you go to an open house, and if those uh, components are gorgeous and it's a level backyard, people, pe- people are walking into that house based on the photos, and they're saying, I'm ready to pay $50,000 over asking unless I hate this house. Right. So, as long as it lives up to these the marketing description and photos – People are going to come in pre-sold and you're getting many more buyer brokers coming new to this area, which is a, another interesting phenomenon that's driving prices up in neighborhoods. I'll give you a an example. A lot of these out of town brokers, they may not know the difference of a homestead acres neighborhood compared to a neighborhood off of say an Oak street where you know, Merrimack Valley brokers are going to know all these little nuances and out of town brokers just come in and they sell the shit out of the house and the yard and just the features they have. And that drives the prices way up on those. Um, Same with multis in, in all of our cities. And it is just crazy. We, uh, we had a beautiful one West Methuen this weekend. And within three days, we had 18 offers on, on that. And these are offers that, I've never seen such a wave of people coming in fully waiving home inspections. A year ago, the trend was um, we'll do our informa- we'll do our home inspection for informational purposes. Well, that doesn't win the bid anymore. Now there's strong buyers. If you're looking at a house and you know the age of components, so it's not always easy to do on a hundred year old three family if everything is in rough shape. If right. you're a first time buyer, but if you're someone that owns 20 multifamilies and you have a crew that knows how to do repairs, they're going to come in. They're going to wave all inspections. And now you're seeing a wave. You know, you, you used to watch those TV shows like million dollar listing 
And every every sale would come in, 30-day closing, all cash, no contingencies. And I'm sure Merrimack Valley Realtors would watch that and be like, this doesn't happen. Right. Now it does happen. Wow. So the, you know, we're seeing there, there, there's money out there. So whether that means someone really has $700,000 liquid cash, or maybe they have $300,000 cash that they know, I don't need a finance contingency. I'm going to be able to close on this property in 30 or 40 days. So, right. Right. Um, have you do marketing? Yeah, you know, a lot of our, yeah, you know, we certainly target to educate our sellers in the area, but we're trying to do more marketing, really educating our buyers to say, how, how do you, how do you win these multi bidding war bids? How, how do you clean up your offer and really make it stand out? And that's a whole, it's a whole new level of what our job is, it, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's a much more interesting job right now with so many nuances of, uh, angles you have to work to be successful. And, and it really is the, the, the feeling of a buyer at the end of a process, there's such a jubilation of, okay, we finally got here. We got the house, you know, they're, they're not fixated on like, my God, this is a crazy new price for this marketplace. And just is what it is that this, this is what a $550,000 house costs now. Right. Uh, ask me all the time is, is the bubble going to burst? Is it going to drop? I'm pretty confident it's not going to drop. It'll slow down. The pressure relief will ease up a bit. Um, but I think these prices are here to stay. Wow. I, I think many of us were very lucky to live in a place that you could buy in a neighborhood for three, three fifty for the last 20 years. And that's, that's not it anymore. Right. That, that neighborhood is 20 miles North of us now. Right. So we've got about two minutes left. I have, I have one question for you because I was watching CNN the other day and they were talking about how the price of lumber has gone up 300%. And yeah. that obviously affects new house building new houses. It, it certainly, it, it changes what people can pay for land. Um, you know, I think everyone's been cooped up for two years and everyone's like, great, all my vacation money, I'm going to put an addition on my house. Now they price out what a, you know, a 26 foot family room. So they, they call Ron Marsan and say, I got 30 grand for family room addition. And maybe that math doesn't work anymore. Right. The price is just awful. So that stinks, but it's crazy market. Uh, awesome time to sell. And you don't see a bubble coming any, you don't see a bubble crash coming anytime soon, you say? No, I, th- I think we're going to be, you know, running full force with this type of market well through the summer and the fall. It'll be interesting to see at what point do uh, interest rates starts to tick up. Will the winter start to ease up? So right now you're seeing more inventory and you think that's going to ease up a bit. So, you know, maybe you're not getting 50 offers, but you're getting 15 offers, but th- that's also a, a, a product of people are, instead of asking for 50 for their house, they're starting that asking price at 500 now. Wow. So at 50, they would have got 50 offers at 500. Maybe they're going to get 15 offers, but they're still going to end up at 535. And maybe the bank appraiser can have a little better shot at appraising that value now. If, if you know, the, the people that are putting five, 10% down, they still need to navigate the waters of the lender needs to appraise that house. So. Well, listen, um, when, you're, when you have a new house listed, can you share it onto my page so that I can share it out so I can help you guys out a little bit? I'm always, I, I always want to help you guys. I'm always willing to help anybody that's helping us, and, uh, and you've stuck with us. I, I appreciate that. Um, Matt, thank you so much. I think this is very informative for our, for our viewers, and I'd love to have you come back in another couple of months, maybe even next month. Um, or, if, or if something changes, let me know. If you say, look, I see a change coming in the market, well, I'd be happy to have you on. 
Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Tell um tell your mom I'm sorry, and I still love her. And doing teachers rule. I'm doing and te- two North Andover teachers. And Those with- are the two I kind of know and hang out with. All right. So. I, I'm 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 going to go with that. There you go. All right. Thank you, Matt. See you guys. All righty. Matt McLennan from McLennan Real Estate Century 21. He's kind of our go-to guy. He's been sponsoring the show almost since the very beginning, and he's been advertising the Valley Patriot off and on uh, for a long time. So we certainly appreciate him. And they've been in business. Uh, Century 21 McLennan has been in business since I graduated high school in 1985. Now, you know how old I am. I'm, I'm an old man, and that's how long they've been doing it. So they know their stuff. So uh, if you're looking to buy a house or if you're looking to sell your house, they're the ones to call. Uh, give give Matt, give uh, McLennan and company, Century 21, a, a call. I had one other topic I wanted to get to, but we're out of time. Yeah. So uh, next week when I come in, I'm going to talk about Bruce Jenner running for governor of California. He was on Hannity last night. I'm just going to give you a little snippet of what we're going to talk about next week. I'm a little confused. We're supposed to call him Caitlin because now he's supposed to not be Bruce Jenner anymore. He's supposed to be a totally different person. And he's running for governor as Caitlin Jenner. And he goes on Hannity the other last night. And talked about all of his accomplishments and all the things he learned as Bruce Jenner. So we're not supposed to call you Bruce or think of you as Bruce. You're supposed to be a totally different person. But you're running on the accomplishments of Bruce Jenner, who's not you anymore, apparently. I don't know how that works. But I do like his policy, so I sent him a check, believe it or not. There you go. But um, because I'm an asshole, and this is kind of the thing that I do, I wrote the check to Bruce Jenner. I want to see if he cashes it. Because if he cashes it, then you know he's full, totally full of shit. But we will talk about that. I think there are some good things and some bad things to talk about his candidacy for governor in Haverhill, in Haverhill, in California. And I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Chrissy, uh, my fine, fine producer, Chrissy Cunningham, Dave Garafalo, Two Guys Smoke Shop, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and the United Podcast Network. Melvin, tell us if we got to go home. It's all right. We'll roll it again. So uh, excellent. Talking. Excellent. But yeah, we got. Now I want to talk for two more minutes just no. to get to the very end. <laughs> no, we won't, we won't do that. All right, uh, I'm gonna, I'm on my way to Borelli's Deli yes. to get my steak and my deli meats and my chicken and my hot sausage. Hot sausage. We want to thank them for sticking with us too. Yeah. There's a lot of po- politics going on behind the scenes these days, and so it's it's very heartwarming that certain people have stayed with us, given the position that it puts them in by staying with us, and so we appreciate that. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about Caitlyn Jenner. We'll talk a little bit more about the Lawrence schools and a bunch of other stuff. The Valley Patriots on the streets. Pick it up. we got a bunch of really great stories in here. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And Melvin Tillis says we got to go home, so go home already. All right. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.